this summer we're bringing you double Koi gig. I think the amount of high scoring has been a surprise to me because I thought that the teams were closer than what they are, but the powerhouses seem to still be the powerhouses. Subscribe to the OTB Koi gig pod on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Okay, we are here with Ollie Turner of Galway Bay FM. We're sitting here in Taft's pub, tactically covering up a photo of Gooch Cooper uh, over my shoulder here. Uh, how are you feeling about this weekend? It looks like it's, uh, there's a great buzz around the county and the city so far. It's extraordinary because my own personal thoughts would be that, you know, I'd be giving Galway a, a less than 50-50 chance. And yet, everywhere I go around the county, everybody is on such a high and they're talking up Galway's chances. So now, I'm more convinced than ever that, that something special might happen here. I'm trying to work out the logic behind that and then the more that it's analysed and thrown at me about the significance of Kerry knocking out Dublin and the fact that you know we have a at least a, a recent muscle memory of a championship victory over Kerry in Croke Park that perhaps this may not be as as obvious an All-Ireland final as some people are, are considering. It's strange isn't it the way that that happens over the course of All-Ireland week no matter what game it is the underdog just gets the sense of belief and the closer the game comes all of a sudden all those reasons that you thought you might not be able to win just disappear into the background. Yeah, well, hold on a minute now. There's, there's belief, and then there's just blind loyalty. So this is Galway now we're talking about. This is not Mayo. Uh, and there's a sense of realism. And we're probably the one county in Ireland who would just tell you straight out, we're not going to win, or we are going to win, or, you know, we have a good chance of winning. And it is that middle ground that most people are taking that they think Galway oh, have a genuinely good chance. So not that I'd be promoting betting or anything like that but people are fixated by match odds and so when you see stuff like 100 to 30 or better than 3 to 1 Galway that is a nonsense I mean that does not bear any sort of reality to adding up all of the bits of both squads and throwing them into a mix and you tell me that okay let's say they play 10 times Kerry probably wins 6 or 7 but don't tell me that Galway won't win 2 or 3 times and you just hope that one of those 2 or 3 times is this Sunday for example Kerry at least last week after the semi-final were shorter odds to win their All-Ireland than Limerick were to win the Hurling which just doesn't make any sense no and I think you have to discard that and real, really when we talk about it Owen like we sit here and we we preview the match and we give our opinion but nobody knows because at the end of the day a lot of little things will add up to deciding what happens on Sunday and sure you can take it that you know if normal things happen and David Clifford plays well because that's what he does well of course Kerry are going to win but that's Porrick Joyce's job is to stop the normal things happening from Kerry and, and to try and insist that his own team does as much good as they can so when it all goes into the mix all we can do is give our opinions and then see what comes out the other side um, you know will Galway win will Kerry win I can't tell you I mean we'll know that after five o'clock and that's an obvious thing to say but you look at all the variables that's all we can do and try and come up with an opinion and I think the more I understand where people are coming from um, as regards their talking up of Galway's chances, the more I start to understand that you know psychology is probably as big a part of what's going to decide this All-Ireland final than any physical manifestation of what these two teams can produce on the day. And what I mean by that is you look at the two matadors in Jack O'Connor and Porrick Joyce. Slightly different eras, perhaps, but yet you're looking at two very driven men with their own linear view on how the game is played and how their county is portrayed and how they play the game and how they treat the opposition and how they should perform again both men have 
you know, left a, a load of players behind them in the in the course of their careers. You know, carry players that have walked away have been disregarded. Boric Joyce has gone through a lot of players as well, and he made that point after Derry when he was pumping the fists up to the crowd, and he made that point in the aftermath that, you know, for these Galway players who stuck with him, and that was a key phrase because a lot haven't. And you're talking about well into the double digits of footballers who have been part of Boric Joyce's initial thoughts back in 2020 who are now no longer there. There's an all-star in there. There's lots of big-name players in there that are not going to be part of this Galway panel. So what he has now are a very committed crew on. And you know this from going around to the Dubs and the Kerrys and even the, the Hurling, the Limericks and the Kilkenny's. There's a modern-day mindset now amongst managers that I think has been largely influenced by Jim Gavin's success. And that's to create this cult, this tight inner circle where nothing goes out. That's why you're down here interviewing me. Uh, a former Galway minor and not a current Galway senior because there's nothing coming out of any camp it's watertight and they create this them and us sort of atmosphere and then within that camp you have to try and just based on their performances then just try and suss out well what is going on with Galway are they improving and are they getting to Kerry's level yeah it's really interesting and one of the questions I had with regard to that is you know the, the, the noise that surrounds a team we're seeing it in both football and we're seeing it in hurling and I'm not sure if it's a controversial question or not but how does this week in terms of hype around a team differ to the last time Galway were in a hurling final let's not compare to the last time we were in a football final how does this compare to say the 2018 build up for I the think, footballers yeah, the I, hurlers? Think, I think Michal Dunahu was a far more accessible manager yet managed the situation yet knew I think the importance of certainly from a local media perspective you know drip feeding a certain amount and yet uh, there was a bigger lead in time obviously uh, so they would have got their media duties out of the way probably last week with a week to spare and that's fine and I think even as journalists we understand that you know we're like supporters we don't want to be bothering players on the week of a big game and that's fine so when you're doing an interview for instance and you know it might be more than a week before the match you try and talk to the players look at can we just pretend that this is the Tuesday before the game rather than the Tuesday week so you're not referencing Sunday week and it sounds like it's kind of out of date so there's stuff like that goes on but in fairness um, it was far easier to get players and to get members of the management even if there was something on the Monday night or the Tuesday night before the game and we wanted something that was doable now it's just shut down and I mean there was absolutely nothing out of Galway of any description before the Armagh Derry games you know I mean there was just no interviews whatsoever which is disappointing and yet you know did it matter that much to the Galway public probably not at that stage they were on the crest of a wave but to answer your question there's been an enormous change in terms of how inter-county managers treat the public and the media in terms of accessibility in the last, I'd say I've noticed in particular in the last three years. It's not just a COVID thing. I think it's a copycat mechanism from the dub. So the sooner that we get Eugene McGee back in charge of an All-Ireland winning team where everybody comes and kicks around as part of a, a training session with an All-Ireland winning team on the Friday night before the All-Ireland final, the better. <laughs> Uh, the, the other point of that then is um, the difference between the football fraternity and the hurling fraternity. T talk to me about that because, I mean, it is one of the great dual counties that we're in at the moment. 
do you embrace that as well? Do, do the public tend to embrace both sides, or do you see different people coming out of the woodwork for the different sports? I mean, there's definitely a, a dividing line in Galway between hurling and football, and yet there would be far more football people that would be inclined to go to hurling matches. Like, I come from a, a place in North Galway, Dunmore, uh, where I live, and Dunmore McHale's would be a well-known club, and they would have two to three buses going to every Galway hurling championship game for the last number of years. That would encompass all that North Galway area like Glenamaddy, Williamstown, Clamburn. They just take huge interest. Look, at a lot of that was Joe Canning. A lot of that was the fact that they were getting to semi-finals and finals and, and winning an odd Leinster. So, I guess, you know, you'd Galway fans who were starved of any sort of football success, really, in the last decade and a half, who were looking to jump onto some bandwagon, and they did. But be that as it may, I have to say this week, on Tuesday night in the Lockery Hotel, there was a fundraiser. The reason it's in the Lockery Hotel, it's owned by Supermax, the sponsor. So fair enough. It was dominated, that large attendance, by hurling people that were there. Now, granted, you might say, well, if Pat McDonough comes knocking as a sponsor and a lot of his suppliers are based in hurling country, they're not going to say no. But yet the top table was Pat Spillane, Kevin Welch and Gary Sice. You could hear a pin drop. These were largely hurling people. I would say 60-40 hurling football in the room, 400 people. They were totally engaged in what was going on. I spoke to a number of them afterwards. Uh, you know, people like Eamon Durvin, whose father, Ned Durvin, would have been a crucial part of the Galway team that would have played back in the late 50s and in that infamous decade they spent in Munster in the 60s. Wonderful player. Hurling tradition steeped in a club that's now Tina Abidinari. He could tell me about Shane Welsh, Damien Comer. What are they going to do with Clifford? Is it Sean Kelly that's on him? He was a guy that was invested in it. And I thought to myself, you know what? That's really interesting now because I'd be used to hurling guys talking about, you know, Aidan Hart getting forward from wing back and being able to pick a score. Fellas down in Dunmore talking to me about that. Uh, and we've regularly had Aidan Hart and his dad Josie down in Dunmore talking hurling at functions. And here we are now with the balance tilting back towards the football. Are we a complete dual county in that everywhere you go, everybody's interested in hurling and football? No. We're more of a dual county, I think, though, than Cork, which is probably 90-10 hurling football. Is that fair to say? Um, I think probably the closest to us in terms of proper duality would be Offaly in the strictest sense of the world. Um, I think Dublin will always be hugely imbalance towards the football because of just the nature of, of the setup in the county even though with Anthony Daly we saw you know a good upsurge in their fortunes in the hurling albeit somewhat temporarily the Matty Kenny project has finished without silverware so I'd still put their balance at probably 80-20 football hurling even though a lot of money has gone into hurling but we're we're definitely more of a hurling county than a football in terms of just sheer numbers on but I think your question was is there an interest in the football from the hurling side? I have to say it's a big yes and that's probably down to the wins over Armagh and Derry. This thing has grown legs. That's really interesting. What about on a kind of a, a deeper sort of 
political level then within, and I don't mean the county board, I mean club, uh, club level in, the, in this county. Are there divisions uh, across the county just as somebody as an outsider looking in? Is there like a suspicion in football areas towards uh, people walking around with a hurley and vice versa with the big ball? Look, I'm not going to go saying anything too divisive here. I mean, there are a number of dual clubs and it's within them I think you need to ask the question. So, you know, if you go to places like Athen Rye who have a football element and would have had a Galway player in recent years in Tom Flynn, um, you know, but they're always going to be primarily hurling because of their history and their heritage and yet they maintain a, a football side to their club and a down likewise. There's, there's loads of clubs. Salt Hill um, would have a, a strong hurling tradition although they're a footballing powerhouse so I think in fairness a lot of that comes from the top table and I have to say that Galway GA turned a corner in the appointment of a hurling man Paul Bellew but a man who is very much looking at the bigger picture and he looks at Galway on a macro level and is fighting tooth and nail to make sure that there is this one brand of Galway. So the hurlers, for instance, now have in the last couple of years train out in Loch George, which was for years Unad Pell Nagalyeva. It's a football centre. It was built by football people. Pat Egan, John Power, Michael Kelly, John Joe Holland, those lads that were around in 98 and 01. It was the kind of corporate money that came in from those successes that built Loch George. The hurlers went down the road of purchasing a huge area of ground in Mountain South and Athen Rye to do something similar. And of course, the timing went belly up because of what happened in 08. And they were caught. And thus, Galway were, were left with a debt. We're still servicing that. But at the rate at which corporate tables are being sold this week for the football final, I'd say that debt won't be long being wiped out. Um, but, but the hurlers of footballers are now using the same area. Of course, it's a, it's a centre of excellence. It's not a quarter big enough of what it should be. But in terms of solidifying the atmosphere in the county uh, and the partnership of hurling and football, I think a lot of it comes from the county board and the personalities that are there and in Paul Bellew as a leader I think Galway G are very lucky right now to have somebody who's bringing everybody together and he's doing a great job one last question on, on that topic. Like uh, when I was in Limerick last week for the hurling, uh, somebody said to me, "You're in the, the sports capital of Ireland," and I mean, I can see why Limerick people say that. But the varying sports that are at your disposal, if you live in this city, is actually remarkable. When you have, I guess, this year when you have two teams that are very, very competitive in both codes, you have Galway United and you have the sports ground. Obviously, seeing some really exciting rugby when rugby season uh, is in full flow, it does seem like right now, if you want to pick one of the the rising sports capitals of Ireland you could probably pin your cap on Galway Galway's always been the sports capital it's just we don't it's shout about sports capital. well we don't shout about it like Cork or Dublin but I'm just talking let's talk about local radio Owen, and I talk about my job so when, when we're looking at a weekend schedule on Galway Bay FM Owen, it's lunatic stuff so Friday night we've Galway United granted they're in the Airtricity League First Division they're battling with Cork City but like there's a big rising tide there with John Coffey they probably have a bigger budget than half the Premier League teams so that's one element of it Connacht Rugby have been a remarkable story we were there back in 2002 marching to Dublin with you know, five or 600 Connacht fans met with a couple of thousand in Dublin and marched down to the IRFU to stop this nonsense and a bit of pressure and media coverage meant that Connacht eventually got to the point where we are now where you know post Pat Lamb we're a really solid outfit where we've got guys contributing to Ireland winning a series 
in New Zealand. So that's outside of GEA. And then you look at what's happening in, in terms of Gaelic games, which is obviously for most media outlets in Ireland, it's still the biggest thing. You know, you can talk about soccer and rugby, but still GA is the one that captures the most column inches in papers, uh, the most tweets when it comes to something you post online, the most clicks. And in terms of our coverage, we're lucky that between women and men, we are just so competitive. So every year, it's not inexpensive to book a phone line in Croke Park or whatever media access you need. And a lot of stations will be going, gee, that's a lot of money. Should we do it? Go to BFM, don't hesitate. Because we get there nine or ten times every year. We're on a Beano. It's like a, just a, 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 like a bulk deal. We'll take a pallet of those phone lines, please. Because we're going to be there, like this year, for a National Football League final, albeit Division 2. We're going to be there with the Hurlers, because they're in Leinster. So we're going to get probably a Leinster semi-final and a final in there. Somewhere along the line, the under-20s or the minors are going to get in there in either or both codes and end up playing Coker for some way, shape or form. And then, of course, we've got the Camogie and the ladies' football, which have been flying in recent years. Camogie defending All-Ireland champions at senior level. You know, they play Kilkenny on Saturday night in Croke Park. There's a good chance if they win that, it'll be probably Cork in the final again. And those three have been dominating Camogie. Ladies' footballers were most unlucky not to beat Meath, but they're coming back up again. So the point being, we're competitive at pretty much every level in GA: minor, under-20, senior, hurling and football, ladies' football and camogie. And in a club, we have this beast, Currafin, for the last decade that have been utterly dominating the championship more than Cross McGlenn or Nemo Rangers in the past or any other team. And we've been following their journey. Galway have won more All-Ireland club titles in hurling than any other county, even allowing for Ballyhale's success. So we're waiting a few years since the post-Joe Canning Portumna dominance for the St. Thomas's effort to take over at All-Ireland club level. But we're normally there. OK, so maybe it's not St. Patrick's Day anymore. It might be a little bit earlier. But to get to the chase, from January right through to December, we're flat to the mat. Pretty much 12 months of the year with some code, with some sport. And then we look at, you know, we have Olympians. You know, we've got people going out winning rowing medals uh, for Ireland, as we had in, 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 in the recent Olympics in Beijing. Uh, so, like, or in, in Tokyo, I should say. So, like, it doesn't matter what sport, whether even on a minority level, there's going to be a Galway thumbprint. I mean, look at jockeys and horse racing the Galway races is one element okay we're mad for a full week but outside of that you know we'll be following Lee Roach or we'll be following young Ross Ryan over in England and they're winning four or five times a week and nobody says a thing about it and we don't tend to shout about it because you know what it's took down as our fifth story beneath All-Ireland victories and Galway United and Connacht Rugby and whatnot. so Sporting capital, I'd like to hear an argument from somewhere else. Oh, you've heard it here first. We are actually in the sports capital of Ireland uh, this week. So, this Sunday, call it for us, first of all. I mean, look, if I'm being rational about it, I still think that the logic would say that Kerry will win. That's fair enough, isn't it? I think. Um, and I deal in logic. Now, I'll be there commentating on the game, and we always, on local radio, give it a, a slight bias. I don't think I'm going to be quite as animated as Kerry Radio are for Sean Shea's point. I call out Tim Moynihan here. Until I get to the Tim Moynihan part at the end of the game where <laughs> Shane Walsh is a free from 55 metres to win the game and then Turner goes bananas. Um, look, at, I think if Galway are in the game, I'll put it this way, if Galway are in the game later on, there's a steeliness now that Port Joyce has created that could see them do something special, which is a bit ironic me saying that because in all of the games this year, Galway have been in control late on and have kind of stumbled over the line as in the cases with Mayo and Castlebar, Ross Common conceding like 
you know, two goals late on when they should have been winning that game by 10 points in the Connacht final. Armagh, six points up, time up and concede two crazy goals to go to extra time and penalties. Derry was the one game where tactically I could see Porrick Joyce has now really matured and turned a game that was ugly and nearly going nowhere for 20 minutes into a masterclass. And I think if he can win that tactical battle with O'Connor, and it'll be fascinating to see what goes on there, we will probably know after 20 minutes, if you ask me this question, halfway through the first half, um, how the match is going to go. I think at that point, Galway should have some sort of a foothold in the game tactically. And if it's anyways close and exciting, um, I think Galway have a wonderful chance and will in every possibility and probability win the game because I think the weight of history the weight of expectation is far more on Kerry this is lovely for Galway it's a breakthrough in Porrick's third year it's probably bought him let's be fair another two years of his experiment well, remember he I interviewed him uh, on the very first day when he took the job out in Lockjaw he's excited a lot this week and that, those, those quotes have been bandied around where he said straight out I said Porrick what's your expectation what are you hoping to win year one in All-Ireland if I don't win in All-Ireland year one, it's failure. The last to Mayo, COVID, granted, it just went pear-shaped. Year two, again, COVID, disaster. Last to Mayo in Croke Park, but no other chance after that. By golly, he's got it right this year when he's got his first proper tilt at fulfilling exactly what he said to me on day one. So let's wipe away the COVID years. This is the first proper championship that Galway have prepared for. They celebrated after beating Mayo and Castlebar for good reason, because he knew that was part of his plan. This is the pathway to the All-Ireland final that we want. Who is there is irrelevant. Now it's Kerry. Is that going to bother him? Not. But he's 17 minutes away from fulfilling his own prophecy, his own promise, his own statement. Anything other than winning an All-Ireland in Porrick Joyce's world is a failure. And he wasn't a failure too many times as a player. Yeah, that's very true. Um, if people want to hear more of this good stuff, they can pop into Supermax on O'Connell Street on Saturday, I understand, and the Croke Park Hotel before the game? Sunday morning, 9 o'clock until 12 o'clock. Uh, we'll be there gathering the slow-moving Galway fans as they get up uh, on, on the main motorway and come into town. And then we're outside the Croke Park Hotel between 12 and 2. Won't be me, by the way. I'll be in doing my study and getting my notes ready for the, the 3.30 broadcast but nonetheless it's just to create that feel of excitement with the Galway and Kerry fans and then look at there's no point in me saying what's going to happen after the match because it's very simple if Galway win the county will go mad there will be people sleeping in baths in the Carlton and Blanchardstown there won't be rooms booked because there won't need to be people won't be worried about the cost of hotels in Dublin because the cost of sleeping on a floor is zero and that's what will happen um, however defeat it's a different story you suck it up we'll still be very proud of those lads and there'll be a big reception back into Ballinasloe and Shum and Galway on the Monday everybody's really proud of this team because there's just a little sense that you know what even from the hurling fraternity and going back to your point Owen from a few minutes ago the hurlers have been in the limelight for a good while now the footballers are getting back there now they're getting their day in the sun and by golly if they're to match what the hurlers did in 2017 I think you'll see a celebration like none other it'll be an outpouring it'll be great relief there'll be a lot of stuff going on as regards why Galway would celebrate this one as much if not more than any previous All-Ireland Kerry will say the same thing but be that as it may I think we'll be on the journey with them and it's a journey that will take a few twists and turns there'll be refereeing decisions there'll be controversy there'll be you know people getting injured there'll be subs coming in somebody will be the story on Sunday evening who that individual might be who knows will it be a Damien Comer will it be a Shane Walsh but all of these guys must be so excited can you imagine if you're a player again looking forward to this knowing that you have a chance here of being 
something that will go down in the annals forevermore and be talked about like a Porrick Joyce or a John Keenan or one of the great Galway players from the past a Sean Purcell of being the one to have done it on the biggest stage of all and for us to have the privilege of being there putting a microphone in front of our face to be able to call it is a great privilege and one I don't take for granted Try and enjoy it as much as you can Ollie. it's going to be a brilliant occasion no doubt on Sunday and thanks a million for your time enjoy the week Oh and you're very welcome to come any time to the sporting capital of Ireland OTB AM with Gillette get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar